All right. Welcome back to Now Open the Podcast, the sex education podcast that's more sex than education. My, My name is Drew. Drew. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Drew, and I am happy to be back. This week, we're looking up some of the sexual behaviors and relationships that make humans go, is that normal? Surprise. The answer is all around us. This is part two of Masahol Pasahayo, Sex in Nature, where we'll talk about gender roles, pregnancy, and menstruation in the animal kingdom. This podcast deals with themes, languages, and situations that may not be suitable for young audiences. If you're under the age of 18, parental guidance isn't going to help you here. All right. So gender roles are a huge topic of contention in our society. Uh, Mm -hmm. I feel like the last 10 years have seen some really big changes to how we expect women and men to relate to each other. Yeah. I was just watching a video the other day on how, like, we've come such a long way from Mr. Mom. You know that movie? It, 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 it sounds weird to listen to today, but the premise is it's a guy who works all the time and he has to take all the responsibilities of being the housewife for a while. And in the oh. 80s, that was the idea for comedy. That was it. That was the fish out of water movie. And it, I think it was Michael Keaton. It started Michael Keaton as Mr. Mom. And he was like, a, you know, a, a working guy who now has to be the mom of the house. And it was in the vein of like Mrs. Doubtfire and stuff like that. And today that wouldn't even be, that's like normal. So many dads do that today. But that was a hit movie back in the 80s. And you're right, we have come. So I mean, it, gender roles is still super, uh, is ever evolving in human society today. Yeah. And, and like, you, you notice how the gender roles really draw a line, like in the differences between the sexes. Like, it's not just, yeah, we have slightly different machinery going on. It's also, there are certain activities that only one sex can do. There are certain activities that the other sex is just naturally better at. Right, right. And like, there's just that really strict line where our, I feel like our most of our society is kind of built around that line. Mm-hmm. We structure. Yeah, the way we've structured the household, the way we've structured the workplace. I mean, very if you don't hostile. believe it. Just go to the grocery store and try to shop for toiletries. You know, that's the, the, the clearest, one of the clearest places you can see it. Exactly. So um, two criteria substantiate gender. So there's socially determined roles or like, you know, like the, the roles you're expected to play because of your, your gender and your gender identity. So does this appear in the animal world? Yeah, there's like plenty of species, plenty of animals that show sex-based differences in behavior, right? So like, you know, you think about all the people who say like that's unnatural, right? Because there are animals that you can point to that show sex differences um, in animals that like reinforce this idea that maybe humans also have to have that. The first thing that comes to my mind when you say when you say that is the lions, right? 
Everybody knows that the female lions are the ones that go hunt while the male lion waits for them to come back. That's the common one, I think, that pops in everyone's mind. What else? What other animals follow gender roles? So uh, I, I know it's very weird to kind of lump both of these in the same thing, but beetles and gorillas. Oh, yeah. The natural, natural buddies. Go hand in hand, beetles and gorillas. So males of these species are tend to be more aggressive than females, and they fight with one another for resources and for access to mating opportunities. So okay. it sounds very familiar. <laughs> But like also what's a kind of like different from our world is that males tend to be the more flamboyant sex generally. That's true. So with most animals, like the males are the ones who use their body mm-hmm. and their and their behaviors to attract females. For example, the peacock's tail, like the beautiful peacock's tail, that's the male peacock actually that's strutting for the females. Females have less ornate, less colorful tails. The mockingbird's elaborate mating song or the colorful face of the mandrill, like, you know, Rafiki from The Lion King. Those are all signs of a male trying to attract a mate. But in our society, it's the women who tend to put on the... Right, yeah, that, that's weird, huh? Because in the animal kingdom, the males are the ones vying for the opportunity to pass on their, their genes, right? And the only way they can do that is through the female. So they have to have all these elaborate displays. They have to prove that they're, you know, superior. But because of the social constructs that we have created as humans, it tends to be the other way around now, a lot now. Well, one thing that is very similar is that both in humans... Uh, with human species and non-human species is that females do tend to be, in most cases, more nurturing of offspring compared to the males. After all, by the time the infant is born, the female would have already devoted significant time towards the uh, forming, the care, the protecting, incubating, or in the case of mammals, then she's gone through an intense process of gestation, you know, and pregnancy and, and delivering that creature. So there's already that immediate bond between the female and the offspring. So that's why females do tend to be more nurturing. But even though there are a lot of similarities between how we built our society and these species, there are also plenty of examples where we kind of go the other way. And there are, there are so many exceptions to these socially determined rules. So one of my more favorite examples of animals just going, fuck you, gender, is male seahorses can get pregnant when there are no female seahorses around. Can they get pregnant when there are no female seahorses around? Yeah. Is that true? Really? Yeah, male seahorses can get pregnant. I thought that male seahorses just carried the egg. Like, that the females would, they just get them from the females. That's what I know. They, they, They just carry the eggs. Because uh, the female seahorses have a penis like ovipositor. They have a penis that deposits, they have a pseudo penis that deposits their eggs into the male. So they need females still. Yeah, they do need females, uh, but it is the male seahorses who do get pregnant. Yeah, they carry um, the eggs. And then there's also like differences in biology or in body. So female spotted hyenas are very dominant. They're kind of like the mommies, the step on me mommies of the hyena world. Um, and they, uh, they sport a pseudo penis or basically an enlarged clitoris that is capable of erection and can be as much as 90% the size of a male's penis. So they're pretty close. It's intimidating. <laughs> Imagine if we all, all women walked around with a strap on. That's just basically what hyenas. That's what hyenas are dealing, dealing with. with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And the northern 
the northern Jacana? Jacana? I want to say Jacana because it's from Panama to Mexico. I'm, so, I'm assuming that's a soft J. Fair enough. So it's a wading bird species whose common territory ranges from Panama uh, to Mexico. They have females that patrol a territory full of males and fight off invading females, while the smaller males engage in less territorial behavior than females, instead spending that time caring for a nest full of the resident female's eggs. So in this case, it's the females who are aggressive and trying to swat off the other pygmies. And it's the men, it's the males who care for the offspring. Way to go, uh, Hakanas. All right. Uh, so those are, the, those are the animals that subscribe to and that give the middle finger to gender roles in uh, animal society. Time to move on to today's opening up. was How Can I Forget by Erin Lee. After the release of her debut EP, Paper Flowers, singer-songwriter Erin Lee has never let her style of vocal harmony and instrumentation keep her within the confines of a single genre. Using her creativity and versatility as a self-taught producer to branch out into the OPM even further, she is one of the faces that make up two of her other side projects, namely acoustic duo CJ and Erin, and Lily Star's records indie folk duo, Lily on the River. You can stream her music now on Spotify. And if you want to be featured on the show, we'd be honored. Send your clips to nowopenph at gmail.com and we'd love to feature you. And for today's opening up, we have an anonymous letter. They write, how can I ask if I'm doing a good job on the guy? Didn't like how he sound, bedroom voice when he answered, but I'll take what I can get, I guess. What? I didn't understand any of that. <laughs> Did you understand what, what this person is trying to ask? I think what they're trying to ask is that how do they confirm that they're pleasing their partner because they're not really getting a lot of feedback during the actual act? That's my guess. I, I didn't like how he sound bedroom voice when he answered, but I'll take what I can get, I guess. Okay, Trisha, <laughs> how, how do you ask if you want to know that your partner is enjoying whatever it is you're doing in bed. How do you ask them to let you know? Because for me, as a guy, it's awkward for me to say, hey, can you make a little bit more noise? Can you, can you moan a little bit more when I'm going down on you to let me know that you're enjoying this? I think what I like to do is I like to code it in a compliment, you know? Like, I like it when you give me feedback i like it when you make noises when right. i'm going down on you because like you you're stroking their ego a little bit you're making them feel good mm -hmm. and you're giving them the opportunity to make to give you pleasure but then you're they're not really telling you that they're enjoying it they're just doing what you've asked them to do now right that is true so i guess what i like to do is if i can't get feedback during the actual act um, although I prefer it because I would mm -hmm. like to know while it's happening so I can change something if it's not going great. Right, on the fly. Right, right, right. right on but the if, fly, you can't no. get, if you can't get 
communication on the fly. Then afterwards, you pull out the form, you hand it to them, and you say, you take these boxes. <laughs> you submit, and you like, fill it in triplicate and yes. wait three to five business days. <laughs> this is what I like to this time. This is what I would like for my next order. But for reals, like you can just like after after it's done, you can set them aside and be like, um, I, I want to know, did you like how that felt? You know, I think once you've removed yourself from the pressure of being in the moment, it can be a lot easier to talk about it because we're in the moment. Emotions can run high. Miscommunication can happen. But at least after, if you don't feel like you can do that yet, you can pull them aside after and ask. Just frame it as, you know, I want to know what makes you feel good. And I want to I want to do a better job because I want to please you. And your pleasure is my pleasure. Like, you know, if, if you frame it like in a really non-threatening way. Uh, <laughs> your pleasure I think is my pleasure. <laughs> Give me more pleasure I feel like a lot of people pleasure. approach it with some intensity. You know, some people approach it as like, am I pleasing you? You know, it's very self-centered. It's very, am I doing this to you? Right, right, right. But yeah, if you yeah. recenter them, like, um, so what makes you feel good? Did that feel good for you? What can I do to make it feel better? Whatever. You know, like if you're still focusing it on their pleasure, then it's a lot less threatening. And most people are receptive to that. Another really fun approach that you could take, or a direct approach that you could take, especially if your partner is confident in or more of a dominant personality, is straight up have them dictate to you what to do. And that way, you know, for sure that whatever it is you're doing is pleasuring them. It's a lot of fun to just be bossed around in the bedroom to just be for you to be just like a mindless slut in the bedroom and just like blank your brain and be like, yes, uh, yes, master. It's fun. Try it for sure. Even if they don't say a word other than what they're dictating to you, you know, they're loving what you're doing. All right. We have some suggestions from our customers. Okay, uh, let's get to those. Six says, G-form na lang at the end. Yeah, you know what? I feel like if I ever have an orgy ever again, I'm going to have a, a feedback form. G-form is just the way to go. I think Trisha already has one. Or Kai has one, I think. You send out a survey. <laughs> and this is what Trisha was talking about after glow assessment talk. You know, it's when you guys are like cuddling, you're both a little sweaty. One of you has a nose that smells like an asshole. Preferably. I mean, hopefully. And you're like, yeah. So how was it? Talk to the orgy manager. Okay. Uh, so that was it for uh, opening up. If you'd like to send us your anonymous questions or confessions, you can submit through our opening up form. See, we have that we have a form for. And now... Back to the discussion. If you like what you hear and you want to support your beloved sexual delinquents, you can send us money, like the whores we are. For less than the price of one cup of a bougie coffee per month, you can keep your favorite sex podcast up and running for many episodes to come. It comes with a lot of goodies like extra content, special shout-outs, and exclusive access to a VIP customer channel on Discord. You can even suggest an episode. It helps us out a lot, and we really appreciate it. You can donate now at co-fi.com slash nowopenph. That's ko-fi.com slash nowopenph. And now, back to the show. Now, we, we, we just finished on the discussion of uh, gender roles in humans and animals. And now it is time for the bit that all the vampires have been waiting for, menstruation. There are so many cultural myths surrounding menstruation in the human world. However, vam <laughs> menstruation is quite rare in the animal kingdom, even amongst mammals. Other primates menstruate, though not as heavily as humans do, as do some species of bats and elephant shrews. I am kind of mad that I we got stuck with this one of the only species that bleeds as much as we do. I would like to complain. Who do I complain to? I know. What a raw deal. What a raw deal. I think you'd have to start praying to send a complaint. 
<laughs> Many other uh, just this to UI. <laughs> I got religious just to file a complaint with you. All right, you better listen up. <laughs> like, dear God, two point five out of five stars. The UI <laughs> is is janky, not user friendly, very messy. Well, if it makes you feel any better, many other animals have menstrual cycles, but reabsorb the old womb lining rather than bleed it out. Does that sound more appealing to you? That sounds kind of metal. Okay, yeah, it is kind of metal, actually. <laughs> so they, so not only do they not bleed, but they reabsorb their wombs. Yeah, dude, they reabsorb their wombs and they have aggressive fetuses, feti, okay, if there's a lot of that. them. <laughs> in animals that menstruate, including humans, bleeding may be to prevent complications in that the tissue that is lost during menstruation is a mother's way of keeping the fetus in check. It's like an evolutionary balance. Your body is more evolved, so it checks itself before it riggedy wrecks itself, Trisha. In animals that bleed during pregnancy, the fetus digs deeply into a mom's uterus so it can have access to her blood supply, says Dr. Elizabeth Rowe. While this allows nutrients for the growing little creature, it can be bad for the mom. The problem with that is if you're a mother mammal, if you let your, a fetus just dig into your tissues willy-nilly, that could ultimately kill you, Roe explains. A period acts as a preemptive strike of sorts to ensure that this doesn't happen. It's your body protecting you. You may not like it, but like a uterus has very mom energy. It's doing it for your benefit. You know what I mean? You may not like it, but it's for your own end. <laughs> Uh, the Fair tissue. Enough. It's trying to protect you from invasive fetuses. Yeah. <laughs> the tissue that is uh, lost during menstruation forms something of a shield between the fetus and the mom. You don't see menstrual bleeding in species where they don't have an aggressive fetus. Why do they have to be aggressive? I don't know, man. Uh, the miracle of birth is miraculous, but it is also not a smooth journey. You know what's metal? You know what's metal? Getting pregnant. Getting pregnant is metal as shit. I was there for the whole thing, and that was the metal, most metal thing I have ever seen. I have so much respect for Janine. I have so much respect for my partner because of what she went through, man. Like, after that, there is nothing I could ever say or... I can't look weak in front of that woman, ever. You know what I mean? I can never, ever... I feel like I can never complain to her for the rest of my life. I can never come to her and be like, oh, God, I'm so wiped out from work this week. Because at any time, if she so chose, she could just, oh, really? Did you push a football through your fucking <laughs> vagina? And I'd shut up. She never would because she's an angel, but she could, and I'd shut up. Pregnancy is metal as hell. And she wouldn't be wrong. She wouldn't be wrong. No, she wouldn't. I can't imagine that. I take a lot of steps to ensure that I never have to. Yeah. <laughs> because it is metal app and I cannot take it. <laughs> I, I'm tapping out already. Okay, so uh, that wraps up our episode. But before we close, uh, we have, uh, we, we, we did promise that we'd get into some specifics, right? I have a few goodies. There's a reason that my name today is Sir Horny Attenborough. Because I got I got a couple of goodies about animals in the wild and their weird behaviors. Spotted hyenas. Okay, so we, we talked a little bit about spotted hyenas earlier about how uh, the females have pseudo penises and it's they're just like a very female centric society. But do you know just how Mad Max Welcome to Thunderdome the spotted hyena society truly is? A lot of animals turn their our ideas of gender roles upside down, but the spotted hyenas takes it to the next train. Females are larger and far more aggressive than males, pretty typical in the animal kingdom, and even the lowest ranking female in the hierarchy ranks above the highest ranking male. Not so typical. This hierarchy is so strong that adult males are even scared of female cubs. And for good reasons, as females are typically violent towards males. But adult daughters show kindness towards their fathers by being less violent to them than to other males. 
not non-violent, <laughs> less violent. And it doesn't stop there. Female hyenas have pseudo penises, which we discussed earlier, that can get erect and are bigger and longer than some of the male's penises. Earlier we said 90% the size, some of them can grow bigger than the male penises. The female pseudo penises make it very difficult for males to mate with them, and it makes rape among hyenas impossible. It's impossible for a male hyena to rape a female. There has never been a female hyena that's been raped by a male hyena. An erect penis in hyena society. Here's how low males are on the totem pole of hyena society. An erect penis is seen as a sign of weakness. So males will present their erections to females to show submission in the same way other animals expose their throats. Huh. So while we're necking, they're just showing their erect penises. Yeah. If you ever wondered why the three hyenas in The Lion King were female, that's why. Huh. Okay, so we have a couple other gender bendy uh, animals here. The side botched, botched lizard. Fun to say. Side blotched lizards have three different types of males, which all use different tactics for mating. The orange-throated male is pumped with testosterone, and his main focus is to have huge territory and as many females as possible. This is the Chad male. He will protect the females, and he doesn't form strong or long-lasting bonds with any of them. He's like literally just there to screw. And he can beat the blue-throated male and take his territory. Who is this blue-throated male, you ask? I'm glad you asked, because the blue-throated male is a smaller male and has less testosterone than the yellow one. And he only has territory big enough for one female, with whom he forms a strong bond. Like the orange-throated male, he will protect her and try to fight off attackers until she's safe. Lastly, there's the yellow-throated male, who has no territory of his own, whose coloring closely resembles the females. He's like a sex hobo. He looks like a female, and he lives in the outskirts of the orange-throated male's territory. He literally squats outside the Chad male's territory where he sneak breeds with the female. Because the orange-throated male doesn't spend much time with the females, the females only hang around for his territory and have no problem mating with other males. The female who has bonded with a blue-throated male, however, doesn't want to be unfaithful to him and will turn down yellow-throated males. So the females that get stuck with the middle male are not promiscuous. Wow. So there are some monogamous lizards. But for the other lizards, it's pretty brutal. (laughs) Yeah. So Matt says something funny. There's a cuckold variant. So there are some females who choose to be monogamous and some males who are by default monogamous. And then there are males who are non-monogamous. They'll sleep with lots of different females. But because the females don't like being hooked up with just the one dude, they will sleep with the scragglers, (laughs) the ones who are just like hanging out, just like pop in and out just for sex. So it's like for them, it's like a game of rock, paper, scissors. Orange beats blue, blue beats yellow, and yellow beats orange. And so the sex cycle goes on and on. Okay, this is the animal that actually inspired this episode because their third kind of rough female wasn't discovered until about a decade ago. These guys have been coexisting for hundreds of thousands of years and scientists didn't know that they were gay up until about 10 years ago. The rough has three types of males who are different from each other in both looks and behavior. The most common is the territorial male. So here we go again who is stronger and more aggressive towards other males of his own kind. He spends most of his time fighting and displaying. Chad Ruff. The next is the satellite male. Fun name. He doesn't have territory of his own, but he hangs around the territorial male's domain. So Scraggler again. Yeah. So he's like on the outskirts, right? He's the, he's the, what, what we would call beta males, right? The beta males. And he's like, yeah. The cuckold variant? (laughs) The cuckold variant. But the territorial male uh, tolerates this because females are attracted to the presence of the satellite male. They get turned on. They get turned on by the fact that there's always 
another dude trying to get with them. This actually sounds pretty correct. <laughs> so it makes them more receptive to his advances when they know that somebody else is trying to steal them away from him. Weird, right? I mean, they play mind games. These birds play mind games. Okay, then there's a third type. This is the coolest one. This is the one that was just discovered like a few years, maybe 2013, something like that. This one's called the fader. He is smaller than the other males, looks more feminine, and like the satellite male, has no territory. He also sneak breeds with females, but will just as happily let the other males mate with him. At first, people thought the other males confused the fader as a female. But closer studies of the fader topping other males suggest that they are well aware of his sex. The strong territorial male allows him in his territory because the high amount of homosexual activity attracts the females. And males who have topped or been topped by a fader are more lucky with the females. The females in this species are incredibly promiscuous and always, always, always breed with all three types if they are available. Ladies and gentlemen, the rough. I relate to this species, I feel. (laughs) (laughs) That gets turned on by other people desiring you. Check. Prefers topping men who have been topped by other men. Check. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You found your spirit animal now, the rough. Okay, uh, I think we have time for, for a few more. You're gonna lo- if you like the rough, you're going to love this one. Okay, the whiptail lizard. In some whiptail lizard species, males don't exist. That's your ideal world. There's just no males. Yeah, <laughs> and females reproduce asexually by laying eggs that hatch into offspring, which are identical clones of their mothers. Imagine not having to worry about whether it's going to be different from you, have the same interests. No, it's literally a little you. And you're thinking, like, what's the fun in that? Where's the fun in that? If we can just reproduce asexually, you're just taking the joy out of sex. Wait, 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 my friend. Nature finds a way. One would think this is an advantage because they don't have to find a mate to reproduce. But oddly enough, having another female to simulate intercourse helps with egg production. So these females that don't need men to asexually reproduce get it on with each other anyway. Uh... Yeah. The only time that there is any evolution in these species is on the rare occasion that one of the females feels like trying something different and crossbreeds with a male from another whiptail species. Uh, I like how it's like, hmm, I'm just gonna, I'm bored. I'm bored of all try those. Something <laughs> different, yeah. I'll try something different. And it evolves. Yep. <laughs> it evolves the entire species. Creates a new creature altogether. And uh, last but not least, I think it it would not be right without mentioning this one, because I think a hot topic right now is that being transgender is not natural, right? It's not natural to transition from one thing to another. Well, I will have you know that it's not just one, not just two, not just three, but an entire group of animals that are naturally transgender. They fall under reef fish. In a lot of reef fish species, all members are born the same sex. Kind of like humans. When we're fetuses, we start out as all the same sex until our chromosomes do something. They group together and the strongest or biggest change into the opposite sex. This is quite convenient because in this way, no one has to fight over females or males and the leader can spend his or her time protecting the territory instead. In some species, the leader will breed with all the individuals in the group. And in others, this right is reserved for the next strongest member. Should the leader die, the next strongest will change sex and become the new leader. For a reef fish, it is unusual to stay the same sex all their lives. And I think it's just beautiful, a beautiful thing to end on that the strongest changes their sex to take care of the rest. Oh, those are those are animals that make you say, is that normal? <laughs> I hope so. Some of those were nice. Some of those are great, actually. Some of those we need to adopt. <laughs> <laughs> so which one was your favorite? 
My favorite was the, the the roughs, definitely the roughs, because I, I read that a long time ago, man. It was I, I read that on like 4chan a long time ago, and I was like, this could not be a real thing. And then I tracked down the comic for today's episode, and that's where I got all those other fun facts about the, the different animals. Super fun. My favorite one is are the hyenas, because obviously we have femdom hyenas. The hyenas with the penises, yes. Yeah, with strap-ons just hanging out there threatening all the males. Oh, wait, I forgot to talk about the bonobo facts. The bonobo, I had extra bonobo facts. Oh, okay, we got some time for some bonobo facts. Okay, press, yes. Okay, so chimpanzees and bonobos are the closest relatives to humans, as Trisha mentioned earlier, and are closely related to one another. Uh, Though the two species share a lot of traits when it comes to sex, they do things very, very differently. In chimpanzee society, the biggest and strongest males rule. In bonobo society, though the females are physically weaker than the males, they work together, allowing them to rule the males and control them using sex. In general, everything is an excuse for sex in bonobo society, especially when tension is high. For example, if two males want the same female, instead of fighting, they'll have sex with each other which eases the tension and reinforces their friendship. If a female hits a baby, the mother will chase her, but afterwards they will rub their clits together to make up. If a male starts getting aggressive, a female will grab him and give him a quickie to make him relax. They sound like they have it figured out. They do. They do. They were like the ancient Romans, but more civilized. While chimpanzees exhibit sexual taboos and social restrictions like humans, there's practically no such thing for bonobos, where sex is very casual. Everything goes in all combinations, and bonobo society is one of the most peaceful societies because of it. They literally live by the motto, make love, not war. Bonobos. I should have just been a bonobo. Now that is an animal I relate to. Well, then maybe try to live a a shittier human being, and you'll get reincarnated down as a bonobo. No, I think I have to be an excellent human being to, to earn the privilege uh, of becoming a bonobo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> see, now all, you can just have sex. You see, they were all just like Buddhist monks in excellent past lives. People, the, just, just like yep. the best people. <laughs> Mother Teresa is a bonobo now. No, she was a terrible person. Okay, then. Uh, Gandhi is a bonobo now. Didn't he sleep naked next to young girls? Also a terrible person? All right. Nobody deserves to be a bonobo. That's how excellent you have to be. Harambe is now a bonobo. He was once a gorilla, now a bonobo. All right, yeah. He can live his best life. And I guess that wraps up our episode. Masawa Pasahayop, Sex and Nature. What did you learn, Trisha? Did you learn anything? I learned that we're doing it one way. I feel like so many, there's so many ways to do it. That's a good way to put it. You know, like, like even among species, they can't even agree how things work. Like there's like different categories per species. And yet with us, we're just trying to do it one way and call everything else unnatural when what is natural even when you look around, everything around you is crazy. (laughs) Everything is just horny around you. Yeah, dude. Everybody's just trying to fuck. Everybody's trying to get it on. Especially bonobos. (laughs) Especially bonobos and roughs. But uh, I think that... we should just stop using the whole it's not natural argument anymore. Uh, I think that this episode, more than anything, has proven that you can't use nature as a guide because if you do, then your argument starts falling apart for a lot of stuff, man. For a lot of stuff. There's a reason we can't keep using it's not natural as an excuse for things. A lot of the things you do on a daily basis aren't natural. Toothpaste isn't natural. Wiping your ass isn't natural. A lot of things aren't natural, dude. So I guess that's Podcasts. It. Podcasts ain't natural. natural thing on earth. <laughs> Trisha, do you have any uh, socials to promote? Yes, my Twitter at Trisha O'Bannon. 
We're also having a our monthly meetup for Ethical Non-Monogamy Philippines next Friday. Yes, next Friday, November 5. So if you want to hang out with some poly folks, just chill. Please sign up at Ethical Non-Monogamy Philippines. That's our Facebook group. I'll leave a link in the comments. Uh, yeah, that's it for me. All right. I just have my uh, Instagram to promote. It's Jobim Javier. Uh, I am on Instagram. I don't use it, but follow me anyway. I, I, I like it when the little number at the top of my thingy goes up by one. It's, it gives me a mm, rush of adrenaline. Mm, more followers. Yes. That's it, I guess. Stay updated with Now Open by following us on Facebook and Twitter at NowOpenPH. Our past episodes are also available on YouTube, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe to our coffee page. That's www.code-feed.com slash NowOpenPH to get bonus content and other special perks. If you'd like to keep the conversation going, we'll be migrating over to Now Open's Gather Town after the end of the show. Join us at bit.ly slash NowOpenTown to chill with the crew and other customers. Next week, we're going to be... Uncovering the new the noodles, sending noodles. It's about <laughs> send nudes, the art of sexy pics. We'll see you when we next open.